Welcome to ACC Nation. That's Will Ogenen. And I'm Jim Quist. <laughs> Mr. Burns. Every time I see that, it's like Mr. Excellent. Burns. Oh. Excellent. <laughs> Hey, talking about excellent, we have got WNBA draft news for you. That's uh, going on while we're recording, so we're going to throw in the front end, and then we're going to catch at the back end of the podcast, we're going to catch everything that's been going on and update you a little further. But we're also going to be talking about baseball top 25 and a peek at the NFL mock drafts that are out. We've got a couple that are posted online at ACC Nation. Net. Interesting uh, stuff and a slightly different approach on one of the mock drafts uh, from the NFL. It's need versus best player available. And I really like the way that laid out. And the more I read it, it was like, this is uh, a lot better than just your typical mock draft. So you want to check that out. See what players um, are in that from the ACC plus one because we always include Notre Dame in everything we do football-wise, whether or not they're in the conference or not, they play five games. I mean, they might as well be. So anyway, <clears throat> let's uh, let's jump right into the WNBA. Well, um, this, is, this is an exciting time of year. This has been a grand women's basketball season overall, especially for the ACC. They did a, had an excellent run. Didn't grab a title this year, but man, I tell you what, a couple teams certainly got to the point where it could have been. It could have been. Uh, and you you can't go wrong with that sort of action. I'll tell you what, that's really standing out, something's standing out to me here. Um, you know, on, on ESPN, they're covering the WNBA draft, and I think it's Holly Rowe. And she's, she always interviews people. She does a good job of that. But Holly is not um, the tallest person in the world. So when she's standing beside somebody who's like over six foot, six foot five in some instances with some of these players, um, it's, it's interesting. It's, yeah. You know, and, and, and suddenly it dawns on you just how tall some of the women players are, mm -hmm. um, you know, not small by any stretch of the imagination. So some thoughts from you on the WNBA draft and, and maybe some players that you'd like to see um, in the draft from the ACC. I mean, there's a lot of them. Well, as we mentioned, as of this moment, only one player has been drafted and mm -hmm. that's Emily Inksler of Louisville who went forth to the Indiana fever. Obviously Ingsler was one of the catalysts of uh, Louisville's, you know, run to the final four. Remember she spent her first three years at, um, at Syracuse before transferring over to Louisville for, for this last season, you know, the fourth pick overall first team ACC on the defensive team, just to, you know, outstanding career and is, uh, has, you know, parlayed that into the fourth pick of the WNBA draft. Um, I know we have Elisa Kunin, who is uh, from NC State, is on the board. And as we we're talking, she's uh, ESPN's best player available at, as of this moment, as of, through 11 picks. So you would imagine she could be picked very soon uh, as far as, um, you know, players from the ACC in the draft. Uh, I know there's plenty more. I know we've got uh, Laura Kubage of Georgia Tech is in the mix as mm -hmm. well. She's someone that's on the high up Aisha Shepard of Virginia Tech, who was, you know, an outstanding player 
for the Hokies this year. She was their best player and, you know, have one of those players who just had almost unlimited range. So I would expect to see them drafted at some point tonight, maybe Maya Dodson of Notre Dame as well. We'll find out as uh, as the program goes and the draft is is ongoing as we speak. Uh, as I mentioned just a moment ago, um, let's take a look at the top five. And as you mentioned, at number four was Emily Engstler of uh, Louisville, who's going to the Fever. Who else is in there? Well, going at number one in the first round is Ryan Howard, a six uh, six two guard from Kentucky, going to the Dream. Number two, Nalissa Smith. At, uh, from Baylor's going to the Fever, going to be joining Ingsler. Uh, number three, Shakira Austin is from Ole Miss. And she is going to the Mystics. Uh, Emily Ingsler, as uh, Will said, Louisville to the Fever. And number five, Niara Sabali is uh, uh, from Oregon going to um, the Liberty. So there is, I, I tell you what, this is a premium crop of players going to the WNBA this season um, and a lot of height, a lot of height going uh, this season, as opposed to some of what we saw in the past few seasons in the draft. Yeah. And you know, one of the funny things is I I'm taking just taking a look at this as we're talking about, you know, there's only 12 picks in the first round, but just looking at all the trades, so like eight of the 12 picks have been, you know, have involved, you know, were traded at some point uh, by, by a team. And, you know, there, there's, you know, just, there's a lot of wheeling and dealing going on right now with the draft is some teams are maybe don't necessarily need, need a young player. They're probably in a, you know, prime position to compete for a WNBA championship. I know the team up the road from me, Minnesota, the Lynx are, are one of those teams that are, uh, they don't, they traded away their first round pick. So they're looking to, you know, build, you know, they're, they've got a lot, a lot of veteran players that have been a, one of the better players in the league for quite some time. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting uh, draft as we, as we are going here, as we just finished up the first round and with uh, Nia Cloud and a Michigan state. As I said, we'll come back to that uh, as we progress and probably toward the end of the podcast, we'll update you on on where the draft is uh, at that point. And, uh, of course, we're going to have a, um, a story at accnation.net um, that will be coming up. Well, it'll be there so you can, you can go and check it out uh, in addition to us um, with the podcast. Let's move over to uh, D1 baseball action. Uh, Miami. Uh, has taken a big leap in the latest D1 baseball top 25, uh, moving up six spots to number two after a three-game sweep, a uh, surprising uh, sweep, actually, of number three, Virginia. Now, uh, Virginia drops down quite a few notches. I think they dropped down to, uh, well, we'll see here in just a second. I think they basically sw- uh, switched spots with Miami. Something pretty close to I think to they that. dropped to like eight. Yeah, number eight. There we go. <clears throat> yep, that's exactly what happened. They swapped spots. I had forgotten. I, in fact, I'd, I'd written that story earlier and uh, totally forgotten where the, they had ended up. But let's take a look at what's going on baseball-wise. Um, the top five in college baseball, Tennessee, uh, is still at number one um, in the. And of course, the SEC being at the top of college baseball is not surprising. Um, <laughs> 
and they have a uh, an incredible record, thirty-one and one so far this season. Miami. The only surprise, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say the only surprise is that it, 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 is that it's uh, not another SEC team, uh, Vandy from that or state. somebody else. Yeah. The ones who wear pajamas for uniforms. Uh, yeah, yeah, pajamas, pajamas, uh, and have the most annoying fan in all of collegiate uh, sports. Oof, please, all right. Sorry if everyone is triggered now. <laughs> yeah, I think you just triggered me, that's for sure. Uh, Sorry. Anyway, I'm going to have that in my head for the rest of the night. Um, number two is Miami. They have a 26-6 and six overall record. Now, let's take a look at, uh, as you mentioned, Virginia drops down to number eight. Virginia has a 26-6 and six record as well. So um, they're on a little bit of a slide here just because of this uh, weekend series loss to the Canes. Um, but I, you know, I don't see that as a big deal. Here's the one thing about baseball. Always have to remind people and people who follow baseball on a regular basis, understand this top 25 polls in baseball, uh, college baseball specifically volatile. I mean, you can lose like three or four games and poof, you're gone. You're, you're totally off the top 25 turn around in the next two weeks and be in the top 15. Mm-hmm. I, and maybe that's a little extreme, but nonetheless, um, that's not unusual. So seeing people popping up and down like this, eh, don't get too excited about it. Okay. <laughs> um, number nine, Louisville has 23 and eight record. Notre Dame is sitting at number 10 and they are 20 and five. Um, congratulations to the Hokies who are popping into the chart or to the uh, top 25. I want to call this a uh, a music countdown. Boy, that's a back, that's my background. <laughs> Are you so, Casey Kasem? Yeah, yeah in, in another life. Uh, <laughs> number twenty one. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, Virginia Tech twenty and eight record. Not doing too bad. Now here's the bad part of um, <clears throat> this uh, top twenty five is that uh, well now first of all let's do some good news first uh, about the top twenty five. Okay. Vanderbilt dropped out. Yeah. <laughs> so I just countered that thing you put in yeah. there. All right. But you were the bearer of good news, Jim. Yes. Um, yeah. All right. Florida State, NC State, North Carolina. Sorry, I'm the bearer of bad news now. All three teams dropping out of the top 25. Having some, some mid-season issues well did you see what uh the nc state for example they lost two or three to virginia tech tech but did you see the the friday night game no did not it was a football score 21 to 10 wow <clears throat> yeah the Hokies offense has you know they they put up some big big uh games this week and they put up eight in the win on saturday and then i mean they lost on sunday 10 to 3 but the Hokies offense has been pretty, pretty strong uh, throughout the, the season. Um, pitching is, you know, they, they're improving a little bit. Um, but yeah, that was a, a surprising effort. And, you know, talking about that uh, Virginia Miami series, that was almost like a crash back down to earth series. Yeah. When you look at the, 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 the Virginia offense couldn't really get a whole lot going. It was just a credit to Miami's pit, pitching. And then, I think they had a brief lead on Sunday, but next thing you know, Miami just blew the game wide open with a big yeah. ending. And next thing you know, it was 15 to five. Yeah. That got ugly. Um, 
<laughs> you know, and Sunday games are like that sometimes. It's it's like you 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 mm-hmm. into the rotation and everything is like it's gone. Yeah, and Virginia's been trying to tinker with their Sunday with their rotation. They had a a starter uh, Sunday who's who was starting who started originally out of the bullpen, pitched a really nice game in his first effort. I it was a Saturday game against. I can't remember who it was. It was a couple of weeks ago, and then because he he had a no hitter for a while, and mm-hmm. then and then he started last weekend, pitched all right, and then just kind of had a rough outing this time. So they're trying to figure out like the Sunday pitcher right now. Yeah, uh, and it's mid season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You like know. you said, we're thirty something games into the season. We're basically halfway there already, yeah. which just feels weird. Yeah. But you know we're what two months from from Omaha. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, I this is certainly not something to get upset about. But yeah, you know, if you start seeing injuries and stuff popping up on a regular yeah. basis, then you get a little concerned about what's happening. But I don't think that's the case with any of these teams right at this point. I think they're just, mm-hmm. you know, you you hit mid season things ha- like this happening. I, I don't understand it all. I I've never coached baseball played it mm-hmm. but i you know it's a difference between being a player as we talked about in prior podcasts between mm-hmm. being a player and being a coach i don't understand enough of the uh the mindset of dealing with arms and stuff like that um i, I don't get that um so you know don't ask me to ever coach hey you got a t-ball team i'm right there no problem. <laughs> and let me give you another team to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wake Forest, or as they, they call themselves now, Rake Forest. <laughs> they just came off a three-game sweep of Duke, put up 16 runs in the finale on Sunday. Wow. Uh, last weekend, the previous weekend, they faced the Boston College, put up 20 runs in a game uh, on, a, on the Saturday game and 15 in the Friday game, they've been lights out at, at the, at the dish pitching has been suspect at times, but they're, they're nine and six in the league, 25 and seven overall doing a, just like I said, their, their hitting has been just outstanding. They're definitely a team you want to keep an eye on as we're getting into the second half of the season. Now there's some irony involved here. Cause our buddy Aaron fit from D one baseball, who joins us every year to talk about what's going to happen in the ACC. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it. And just see where we are and what Aaron's thoughts are on the on the season overall. Um, he was always hot on on Wake Forest. He was like for two years he was hot on this past year or this year. He goes, "Nah, you guys, you guys have burnt me. So I'm not I'm not going down this path." You know, the irony is is that Wake Forest. <laughs> is probably going to come out of nowhere this season and deliver. Yeah, he he, he he jumped off of them and then they finally started having the big year. Yep. Um that that would be too funny. I you know, Aaron would be sitting there just uh, shaking his head like you are right now. Yes, probably more extreme though. Uh let's get into the NFL draft and some mock uh information here. Um you know, we've we've heard a lot about um, more so quarterbacks, I think, than anybody. But you know, quarterbacks are just the flash, the you know, the glitz of of what's going on in drafts. Uh, they're kind of center of attention. 
but sometimes they're not the, the people who are going first or the most coveted by NFL teams. Um, that appears to be the case this season again because uh, quarterbacks typically don't go number one. I mean, sometimes they do, you know. Um, sometimes somebody's foolish enough to, to waste a bunch of <clears throat> picks yeah. on going real high. No and yeah, when they, yeah, something about that. I think we both know something about that. <laughs> Taking quarterbacks way too early and uh-huh. forcing them in when they're not ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You with Mitch Trubisky, uh, yeah. Vikings with Christian Ponder. Yeah, no, too well. I, yep. I, I don't believe. Don't believe it's a, a good thing to do. Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Uh, and a that, lot of times they're they're like I said they're pushed before in before they're ready. Right. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the, the potential for something similar um, in just a, just a minute, but not with a high, not with a high uh, uh, pick. It, it, I think it's reasonable, but we'll see. Um, the NFL's Rhett Lewis, um, and this is the guy who, who did the, the need versus best player available analysis. And again, I, I think this is a great way of looking at stuff because you start balancing things out and I think you're getting the perspective of the team rather than, you know, somebody like me saying, well, you know, I think that my team needs this or it needs that. And I, I think this is a great player and it's, it's high up on the board. I th- well, that's the guy that we're going to go after which makes absolutely no sense sometimes, right? It's not always the best player. So uh, you get you get uh, attracted to the flash and the trash. So <clears throat> here's some of the players that he has um, going. And at number two in the first round, he's got Kyle Hamilton out of uh, Notre Dame, who's a safety, going to Detroit. So that's his, his high pick out of our ACC plus one uh, selection of players. Um, I th- again, this is a need versus best player available. So, I, it, it's kind of hard when you first look at this. You kind of you, you kind of shake your head and go, I, I don't. Kyle Hamilton. Okay. Well, yeah, and and you know, safety is a big deal. Um, Very important. Yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah, especially when you're in, in today's day and age, when you're going up, well, especially um, I mean, when you're going up against teams that are very pass heavy, um, you'd be going into a, the NFC North where you're facing, you know, drama diva Aaron Rodgers and, well, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> who's Money. another drama diva, but nowhere near the level Rodgers is. Money bags. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and. Justin Fields, but we won't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> move along, but, move along. Yeah, you're like the stormtrooper in a Star Wars Episode Four. Move along, move along, move along. Yep. <laughs> doing the. Yep. Anyway, so we di- <laughs> we digress as always. <laughs> Going uh, off the rails again. Anyway, your your point being there that. Uh, I don't know what your point is exactly, but I kind of lost track of things. We went off the rails. <laughs> Welcome to ACC Nation, where nothing makes sense. <laughs> but no, my my point being, you know, that that's a you know a, even 
in other mock drafts I've seen, you know, Hamilton go there. I've seen, because, you know, that's a, it's, he's just a really elite level talent who yeah. I think is pretty, pretty safe by, by, you know, standards of, you know, of being, you know, ready. And it's not like Detroit has much on their defense right now. Um, I think he'd, he'd fit in pretty well there. Uh, number three, we're going to NC State for an offensive tackle by the name of Icky. Uh, Icky Ekwanu, who is headed to Houston, according to the projection by Lewis. Um, I think this is uh, uh, an excellent pick at number three in the first round. Um, yeah, I'd go here. Yeah, and I would, I would, I would echo that. Um, Houston needs pretty much everything on their roster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you do, you did, did draft a quarterback last year in, in um, Davis Mills. So you need a, um, you need someone to protect them. So why not get a tackle who could help protect, you know, the, the um, protect that, protect that quarterback. I think that's a, that, you know, picking an offensive lineman in this situation is a, is a really good idea. Here's here's the scenario that I was referring to, Will. Mm. We'll see how this um, all lays out. This is pick number 19 in the first. Going to New Orleans, Sam Howell out of North Carolina. Now, here's the scenario for people who don't who don't know, and you can fill people in on this because. This is, I think this is the progression that we were sort of alluding to. They just signed Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he's projected to be their starter, but, you know, I guess the, the idea is that Sam Howell is coming in, sitting for a year, and we know how that works sometimes. Sometimes. And uh, he's the future for the Saints. And you know, it's it's an interesting idea because I I'm higher on Sam Howell than I think a lot of the um, a lot of people are. I just felt like a lot of the issues last year weren't weren't necessarily his fault. I mean, I agree. when you're when you're running for your life constantly like he was, yeah. then yeah, your your stats aren't going to be as good, especially when you lost the amount of talent that mm-hmm. they did as well, all the the running backs and the receivers. And a lot of the time he had to throw a short to to Josh Downs because he was <laughs> He, he he was he was the only real option available uh, on that offense and I feel like I think this is a smart idea for New Orleans obviously like I said you resign Jameis Winston now he's not the future absolutely not he may not even be the present for all we know Sam Howell I think is uh you know got got some potential there I think like I said he does need to marinate so I'm hoping that uh you know he doesn't have to you know, start right away, yeah. but yeah, I think this is a really a strong pick and I'm, I'm, I know we haven't gotten to that point yet, but I'm a little surprised that uh, someone else's name hasn't been mentioned. We'll get to that in a moment, but I think you have some updated news from the WNBA draft. Let me pull up my news here. Oh, we do we back to back ACC picks I have gone in and uh, pick 16 and 17 uh, uh, for or the fourth and fifth picks of the second round where guard Kiana Smith of Louisville has been drafted and following her 
at pick 17, Elisa Kunin of NC State. So uh, Kunin to Seattle, uh, Kiana, I lost my page and don't know where she went to, but uh, she she went drafted. She she'll, got drafted as well. She'll find her way. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she knows where to go. I do not because, you know, I accidentally clicked <laughs> off the screen. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry to throw that one by you. I thought, I thought you had it right, you know, uh, going. So I, I just saw. No, I, I switched the channel actually, I gotcha. but I, I it was at a commercial and never turned it back. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I saw, I saw a Lisa uh, pop up there. So uh, anyway, I think, I, I think this is a, I think this is a really good move by new Orleans. If this happens, mm-hmm. this is a projection folks. So this is a mock draft. All right. But if this were to occur, I think with the with the the right protection and the right weapons, first of all, Jameis Winston could be a quarterback for a couple of years. Um, he has potential. He is good at what he does. He has some faults that I think need to be corrected. Whether or not you can correct them at this point in his career is anybody's guess. How coming in has immense potential. Um, I don't think he has the type of faults that, that Jameis has, but, uh, uh, New Orleans is my number two team in fandom, Chicago being first, New Orleans being second. And it's only because my wife is from New Orleans. Um, but you sort of get tied in there and, you know, there's some familiarity. So I always root for, um, New Orleans after Chicago, close chunks, you know, which they do every year. Um, <clears throat> but this, I think this is a good move. Now, we haven't gotten to the guy that you're talking about yet, but we will in just a few moments, but not in this first round projection. That's the surprise. Uh, number 26 in the first round to Tennessee is Florida State Edge Jermaine Johnson the second. Uh, I think that's uh, a great uh, projection. Um, Tennessee certainly could use that skill set. And Jermaine Johnson is, uh, um, I think, a great pick. This is interesting because I've seen Johnson going as high as 12 to the the team that's you know, 20, 25 minutes away from me here mm-hmm. in, in Minneapolis to the, to the Vikings. Which I would love that because that's a that's a need position, right? Great pick. Um, no but who. we remember Johnson just absolutely just toying with offensive linemen all over the place um, throughout the season. He was the star of the defense, and remember he, he, he transferred because Georgia had so many other good players that right. he never got on the field. And look what happened when he got his chance. Yep, he was defensive player of the year. <laughs> and and this should be a this should be a lesson. But Will just laid out. This should be a lesson to you if you are a player or the parents of players. You know, it's it's grand when you look at these big programs uh, th- that have a lot of success. And I'm saying Alabama, Georgia, even Clemson in some degree. But if you want to play and you've got talent, you really, you really have to, to stand out. You have to work so much harder if you're at Alabama to, to be that guy. And, um, you know, it's a crapshoot as to whether or not you're going you're gonna to see any playing time at all. So 
for me, um, you know, if I, if I knew I, I had some talent and people around me were not blowing smoke up my rear end and they said, you know, you've got some talent, maybe you should consider someplace where you're definitely going to get a start. I would be looking at maybe that next tier and saying, where do I get on the field and make a contribution? Just saying, you know, at some point. And look, when it comes down to the NFL, the NBA, the WNBA, uh, any of the professional leagues at all, you're not getting that much of an advantage when you have uh, my name and then Alabama after it. You're not getting that. I mean, look at the people who are being drafted. They're from all over the place. If you're Mm -hmm. good at what you do, you will get drafted no matter Mm -hmm. where you're playing. But you better be on the field playing and getting some time in. Not getting it from the big boys, I'll tell you that right now, Mm -hmm. unless you're something special. And and that's the, the beauty of the transfer portal is you can go somewhere else and play right away. And, you know, the ability to have that, option to go somewhere else right away and get that immediate playing time is exactly what this is for. Yeah. Um, I I won't get into the the women's basketball thing, but uh, you know, that's something recently that occurred in the ACC. Great example. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, at number 27, uh, going to Tampa Bay. Our buddy Chris is going to be happy about this. Out of Clemson, the cornerback, Andrew Booth. I think that's a great addition for uh, if if he indeed goes to Tampa Bay. Again, all of these are projections by the NFL's Rhett Lewis. And uh, you can read uh, that and, and find a, a link to his story at accnation.net. Um, <clears throat> so let's jump into three rounds Coming from CBS Sports, Ryan Wilson. And here's an interesting thing. Almost all of these players are in the first round. There are none in the third. So there's like this huge drop-off. So basically what you're saying is anywhere from four to seven. Or Mm -hmm. UDFA. Mm So uh, at number one. Icky. Mr. Icky, yes. That's right. Uh, from NC State, he has him projected to Jacksonville, and they certainly could help uh, out Trevor Lawrence quite a bit there, I would think. Yeah, and he laid out his reasoning is because, you know, they're, they, he's drafting on need and not necessarily best player available. Um, and I don't know, you know, we have no idea what Jacksonville's going to do right now. We're, we're actually a couple of weeks out of the draft. A lot of them still think they're going to take Aiden Hutchinson. So, but, but, you know, like I said, you can't go wrong with drafting a solid uh, a tackle that will, you know, protect your quarterback. At least you have a real coach there now. Yeah, that's, that's a hundred percent true. Wow. Um, the first quarterback in this uh, projection, this mock draft Uh, is Liberty's Malik Willis. And Willis has been generating tons of interest over the last couple of weeks. It it has not burned off one bit. He has um, really been the chatter guy, and with good reason. He is 
uh, a stupendous quarterback, and I think given the right situation, is really going to make a big difference uh, for whoever picks him up. So yeah, he's he's uh, I think he's one of those players that has been just flying up radars because people see him as the guy who who maybe has the highest ceiling of all the all the quarterbacks in this draft. He's 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 definitely needs to be in a position where he groom where he's groomed and he's going to he's not going to be able to play right away. He he's still really raw. But I think he had going to Seattle in this instance, you know, he's going to sit behind Drew Locke, which, you know, mm-hmm. he's not that great of a quarterback either. So I, I worry he'd be put in a position to play a lot sooner than he's, than he's ready to be. Right. But you know, it's still, you know, it's, if, if you feel like you can work for a year with Drew Locke and, and have Malik Willis marinate for a year. Perfect. Yeah, that would be great. I would have loved to have seen him behind Russell Wilson for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Because you know that would have been a great influence, a great guidance for for Malik to to learn and to and to grow into the the franchise quarterback that they already had in in Russell, and they could have made that transition because at some point, uh, you know, he's going to retire. So mm-hmm. for sure, and he, you know, he you know, obviously he's off to Denver now. So. <clears throat> yeah. Boy, he'll retire quickly there. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's it, uh, never mind. Uh, in the first round at 11 is Notre Dame's Kyle Hamilton. He is projected to go to Washington. The commanders have a lot of needs, and uh, this is one of them. So, well, their biggest need is uh, an owner, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to argue. I don't think most people will argue about that. That's not the only. Everyone outside the Snyder family. <laughs> yeah. It's not the only issue, but that's one of the big yeah, ones. That's one of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why do we have problems like that? Uh, round 114 is Florida State's Jermaine Johnson the second, And Johnson is, um, is projected to go to Baltimore, which I think is a great fit for him um, as an edge. Uh, will make a, a huge difference for the Ravens. They need uh, they need some help there. Um, not to take them away from your beloved Vikings, but uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's been he's been as high as twelve. Like I said to the Vikings, but I think he's you know he's he's a solid first round pick and someone who I think yeah you're gonna you're drafting him with the idea of being able to play you know day one. Yeah, maybe not necessarily as a starter, but definitely in the rotation. Yeah, he'll he'll get in there at the at at the minimum a couple of games into the season. Yeah, so. as a start, you know, maybe yeah. as a starter. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Um, going in the first round at number twenty-five is Clemson's Andrew Booth. He is projected to go to the Texans, and uh, Texans need all the help they can get. They're kind of in a rebuild <laughs> mode. Um, any and all talent, welcome. This would be a good addition for them. Mm-hmm. Now, the guy that you were talking about earlier and was wondering, what's the deal? Where is he? Uh, here's, the, here's the interesting thing. Reading up on the, on the notes, Will, I'm seeing that people are talking about him being, and him, I'm not going to say who it is just yet, but everybody can figure this out because we haven't mentioned his name yet. And you're going, where is him? 
he is projected as, as high as in the top 10 in the first round, but also in the bottom rung of the first round. It's There's no happy median here. It's like nobody knows where to put him. I believe that this gentleman... The part of the reason is that he's not he's not what I would call a flashy quarterback. Um, he's he's a workman, you know. He's a he's a blue collar quarterback. He knows the game. He just goes out and he does it, and he'll he'll work his tail off. But there's nothing flashy about him. Kenny Pickett. This is who we're talking about right here, Kenny Pickett. And they've got him projected to go to Detroit. Now, that's I, uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Detroit needs a quarterback, to be honest with you. Yeah. No, I'm not I'm not disputing that. It's just so weird because you look at you know, all the, you know, all the mock drafts and you see and we've gotten two, you know, we've gone through two of them where he hasn't been going, you know, he, we, he's the last pick of the first round in this one, but in the other one, he wasn't mentioned in the first round, Not at all. but you've also seen mock drafts where he's going up, you know, as high as what number six, I believe it was to Carolina. Yep. Cause they're, they're, their coach is on the hot seat. So you look at uh, when isn't them as a potential, uh, um, you know, pick there because, you know, they say their coach is on a hot seat. It's not like uh, Sam Arnold, Sam Darnold has exactly lit the world up and has probably looked worse than, you know, ever, but he is uh, not going to be, you know, not going to be, uh, you know, there long. And I say, I think the co- you know, drafting him makes you, you know, up that high makes you think he's ready to play right away. You know, getting him at get Detroit, getting him at 32 in this instance, and it tells you that, you know what, maybe we can get by with Jared Goff for another year or two and give him, you know, give uh, Pickett a little more time. I mean, he's a lot of people consider him the most ready and ready to play now quarterback among all the, the ones that are out there. But I'm just, yeah, I, I think he, I think his ceiling is limited in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see him as, um, you know, the, and I, I, I hesitate to, to try to pull up somebody who I think fits the mold, but um, I think Kenny Pickett is a, is a really decent quarterback. Is he spectacular? Mm-mm. No. Um, Will he win games for you? Sure. You put the right the right people around him, the right weapons, you're going to have a winner. And sometimes all it takes is not a flashy quarterback. You don't nobody nobody in the NFL needs uh an Aaron Rodgers on every team. Okay? I mean, you just don't. You don't need Rodgers. You don't <laughs> you don't need but I thought that sounded like you might have been uh, feeding the porcelain god there for a moment. Um, <laughs> so uh, you don't you don't need a quarterback like that. Um, sometimes all you need is solid uh, a solid offense and a solid defense and some special weapons on both. You know that that are standout players, and your quarterback just grinds it out. You just make it happen, and that's how you win. And mm-hmm. um, 
You know, there's there's some quarterbacks over history that that have been like that, and I think you can continue to run an NFL team like that if if you're okay with it. Uh, my thought is that Pickett is is going to be a great quarterback who'll probably be around for quite a while. Will he be the first name that rolls off your tongue when you're talking about, um, you know? Best quarterbacks in the NFL? Eh, probably not. Um, but there's plenty of quarterbacks like that in the NFL right now who who go out and win games every yeah. week. So yeah, they're not great, but they they have everything around them to right. to win. And we see that um, there are certain teams that just you know they have the you know the talent, like I say, a running back at receiver. They have a good offensive line, or they have a, an elite defense yeah. that they don't need. Uh, an elite quarterback to run everything we've seen, you know, throughout the year, some of the, like the, the Ravens with Trent Dilfer, for example, when he won a Super Bowl, he's not an elite quarterback, no. but they had one of the best defenses ever right? as well. And you're looking at, you know, that's a, that's I mean, example. I'm trying to think of teams off the top of my head that fit that, but none of them, I mean, I mean, New, New England, they just, that's just Belichick being Belichick. I mean, they don't have a lot of, talent mac jones is a pretty good quarterback but i don't Mm -hmm. think uh i think i think they're just succeeding because of you know their head coach is probably the best to ever do it a very sharp dude i mean you know Mm -hmm. people don't like him uh some people do but uh in a it's like shashevsky you can hate mike shashevsky all you want but he's a hell of a coach i mean probably one of the best Mm -hmm college basketball coaches you know he and dean smith and uh, several others that fit into that category um they're exceptions and um when you have a good coach it's amazing what you can do with little or no talent so let's move into our next list here um we only have two this is the thing that blows me away I i said earlier we have nobody in the third round but in the second round, we have two. Um, coming in at number 39, pick number 39 in round two is Boston College's Zion Johnson, offensive guard. And he goes to my beloved Bears. And we, ah, Bears. We need him. <laughs> you know, I've seen some mocks you know, have him as a first-round pick, too. He's, mm-hmm. I know he did really well in Senior Bowl stuff. Um, he's, you know, it's not like, you know, his – guard is not exactly a position that generally you know you generally draft highly for but he's he will he i think if i remember correctly i know i know our friend aj black would be all over me if you know if i was wrong but (laughs) i think he can play pretty much everywhere along the offensive line i know i know he never really played center but he's taken you know i I know during the senior bowl stuff he was taking snaps at center yeah if you're he's a versatile guy if you're a guard most of those guards are, are are um They've had their <laughs> oh, I almost said something I, I was gonna regret. Um, <laughs> Even if you did, you could have cut it out. Well, probably. Uh yeah, snapping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, yeah. Um <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe I almost did that. Um <laughs> let's move on now. Uh yeah. round two, uh number forty-three. And the last person on this list, who would you think? Who'd I miss? 
Yeah, I'm surprised. It's it it's taken, you know, we talked about him in the first round, but he's going to pick 43 here, yeah. Mr. Sam Howell. That's right. To the Atlanta Falcons, which yeah. I think would be a really good spot for him. Because again, he, you know, they they traded Matt Ryan, they signed um Marcus Mariota. He's going to be the the short-term guy there. Oh yeah, very short. Howell can groom for a little while and you know eventually be the starter in a in a, in a year or two yeah. um and obviously Atlanta's rebuilding so that's a good that's a good person to build around like i said i'm i like him i think he's better than where he's being drafted but like i said you had you had such a down year last year that his his stock is just you know kind of plummeted just if, if he would have come out after last year he's he was an easy first round pick well here's the thing i want to remind everybody of we always talk highly of, of Brady and Rodgers. We talk highly of Rodgers? Well, we don't, but, you know, <laughs> we don't, but. Yeah, you know. we, you and I don't. <laughs> um, I, I will I will give this to him. He is, he's a hell of a quarterback. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. He is a once-in-a-generation talent. Here's the thing. These guys weren't drafted high. So, it was what a late first round pick, and Brady, even sat for a few years. Brady, Brady was like, Brady what? was a six round pick. Yeah. So, you know, and, and again, this is you know, you can say that's an anomaly. It it really yeah. isn't. A lot of great players are coming out of these later rounds, third, fourth, mm-hmm. fifth. You know, fifth, sixth, seventh. There's yeah. some fantastic players that come out of there. They just haven't. They either didn't play for you know, an elite yeah. sort of squad and get a lot of publicity. Didn't get enough. Yeah. And you, know, whatever. And you so. get put in the right position and you can succeed easily. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's not all about talent. It's about fit. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a look at that. And if you want to take a look at that uh, again, take a look at uh, accnation.net story is up there now, NFL, um, draft 22 and we've got the latest in baseball is there and we will have all of the uh, the latest on the WNBA draft up um, as well so you can take a look at, at who's who but let's go back over that and finish up the program will because we are getting further into the uh, I think we're past the second round now are we not yes okay. we're actually almost done with the draft okay. um, there's just a handful of picks left yeah, three so left, to, to so let's so let's start from the beginning all right uh Louisville um Louisville's Emily Inksler went number four to Indiana mm-hmm. the fever um she was the only one in the first round that was drafted among ACC schools but a lot of a lot of them in the second round um as we mentioned before Kiana Smith of Louisville went went at 16 overall to the LA Sparks. Mm-hmm. Elisa Kunin of NC State went 17 to Seattle. And um, joining her in the pick afterwards is Laura Lacubage of Georgia Tech, who went yep. 18th. Uh, going at 22 is Kayla Jones, a forward out of NC State, to the only team in Minnesota that can actually win a championship, the Lynx. The Lynx. The Lynx. <laughs> yep. And Aisha Shepard went at 23, the guard from Virginia Tech to Las Vegas. And then okay. into the third round, we did have um, we have Maya Dotson of Notre Dame was drafted mm-hmm. as well. And like I said, we are just a couple of picks from the end here. Yep, just a couple. Um, but anyway, I tell you what, 
Uh, we're, so we're at the end of the program, and there's only two left. But uh, So here's the deal. Uh, we'll have that story up on the uh, on the website, accnation.net, and you can go check that out. And uh, you'll know the complete list of uh, ACC uh, teams, the players that have made it to the WNBA. Um, and there's a, a nice list, as you ran down there, Will, especially in the second. Um, it was chock full of, of great players. And uh, the fact is, I think just down the line, there's just superb talent coming out of the ACC this year. Um, very excited for um, all of the women that uh, have made it that far. It's a it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime dream. Super yeah. to see that kind of stuff. And just to kind of note it as we are wrapping up, the season does start on May 6th, so not that far away. 